Thank you for joining us on the Leader Brew podcast. We are on an adventure to explore inspirational leadership stories from the classroom to the real world. In every episode, we'll bring new perspectives and fresh approaches to solving some of today's most complex global leadership problems. We hope you enjoy listening and gaining valuable leadership insights. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to today's host, Dr. Rick Erwin. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leader Brew Podcast. I am Dr. Rick Arrowood and I'm your host today. I am uh, so happy to bring these episodes to you and each time I record them, it just makes me feel good. So I'm hoping that our listeners will feel good as well. And I'm joined by one of our former students, V. And V, you're joining us from Australia. Yes, yes. Wonderful. So good to see you, of course. Uh, It's great to catch up with you. And I know you're going to have a wonderful story to be able to tell us about your experiences in the leadership program and then how you transitioned from the classroom to the real world. So welcome. Thank you, Rick. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm in Australia after, I think, I graduated in, oh, it's just 10 years ago, 2013. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been 10 years since I graduated from um, your leadership program. Um, it was one of my best programs I have ever, you know, experienced because it was like the double master degree credited by both Swinburne University in Melbourne and Boston, um, Northeastern University in Boston. So um, I think the global leadership actually helped us, not not just me, but helped us a lot because I'm still keeping in touch with all of, you know, like a few, but most of them are still in Melbourne, like our classmate and as I remember we are from almost I think nearly 20 countries which you know like a very multicultural classroom and very energetic and we've learned a lot we love a lot so I think talking about you know from the classroom to real world I have to be very thankful to your classroom because from that I know the you know I value the diversity so I already know that you know like people from different background they will have you know different mindsets different perspective and expectation so that helps me a lot when um, I was in education when I have to deal with different stakeholders partner universities in the US, in UK and um, Australia. Also parents, parents from, you know, like all of the um, regionals and, uh, you know, from the urban lifestyle and the students as well, they, they're all different. So that's why I think valuing diversity would be one of my most valuable lessons I learned from your classroom. So that's helped me a lot in the real world. And I think that's that was really the beauty of, of the program. Uh, you know, I'm interested to know, Growing up, did you have this yearning to have exposure to all of this diversity? Yeah. So actually, um, after finishing uh, your program, I think I worked for the Vietnam National University at the International Institute of Education, where we have uh, more than 30 universities in partnership in uh, US, Europe, and um, Australia. So um, yeah, it's this kind of, it's also very diverse partners network. And um, throughout my business trips to the US and Europe, and now in Australia, I, I think that they're all different in terms of, you know, um, how would they run in their role educational systems? That, that's how we learn. And um, I think from from my perspective, I think the most thing I learned about the um, different educational system is that they, they will value students, but their approach, like, you know, the way they approach students are different. And um, the outcomes also a little bit different. 
like I think from from the U.S. system, the student would be more entrepreneurial. So, so I think that most of the students who graduated from the U.S. programs, they would straight away think about a business, and they would straight away think about how how would they run their own world. While in U.K. or Australia, they're more about um, keen on you know joining the corporate leaders. That that's interesting. That's very interesting, and that's bring me to have you know like like very um, how to say it a various experience in terms of consulting to the international students who would. Like to study and based on their role expectation and from their family background as well. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's, that's what I think that very interesting to, to learn from different types of stakeholders, different systems. And that, that's how diversity works. Like you just need to keep learning and um, you choose the best one for for you for yourself and for your customers. So that, that's how I'm working now. And currently now we're running our educational agency, ProPath, so uh, I and my co-founder, Chen, uh, she's she's based in Vietnam and now I'm based in um, Melbourne. It's very interesting, but we have two kind of programs. One, we uh, send a student to the U.S. and the U.K. for their internship, for their exchange program and preaching program as well. So actually students who um, study in high quality programs in Vietnam universities, they have changed to get the credit for their, you know, study abroad if they uh, transfer to partner universities. And the other program is the exchange teachers program. We actually uh, bring our teachers to the U.S. for, you know, their exchange uh, to be, uh, I would say it's like uh, to be a teacher in the U.S., to know how teachers in the U.S. actually do and, um, yeah, to experience a different career path. So it's very interesting. And currently now, um, not only Vietnamese teachers we have, we also have teachers from Africa, from South America as well, like Colombia, Brazil, who actually can speak Spanish. They also joined our program to teach Spanish in the U.S. So that's how, yeah, I, I'm very excited now, just after the COVID pandemic. But, but I think we're growing quite well. You know, it's such a it's such an interconnected world. And as you were talking about sending teachers to the U.S., I, I had sort of the opposite experience in that when I first started teaching at a university which had a large international student population, primarily Chinese population. Uh, you know, I remember a couple of semesters of teaching, and I thought, I'm not sure if I'm getting through to these students. I'm I'm not sure if they're engaging. I feel like I'm missing something. So I, I did what I think others should consider doing, which is I got on a plane and I went to China. And, you know, I just spent time really uh, just sitting on park benches and, and observing people. And then I, of course, made the connections with the universities and had an opportunity to teach in, in classrooms in China. And I have to say, I came back from that experience with, ah, okay, now I figured out. I think I know what I was missing. And, you know, I always knew I was missing that something. And, and so it, it works it works both ways where so much of the focus is on sending the students abroad right but it also should be working the other way around you know sending them over to us uh, so it, it's it's a both both ways I think it, it really does open up that whole learning because in order to teach someone I, I fundamentally believe that you have to understand them, and you have to 
get a level of trust before you can get the engagement. And once you satisfy all of those, then and only then can you genuinely teach. And, and I think that's been, you know, that's certainly been my experience. And it sounds like that's the kind of thing that you're involved in. And, and it's great. You know, I, I'm curious to know, you know, if I take you back to the classroom, yeah. you're, you're a Vietnamese student, you're studying now in Australia. What advice do you give to other Vietnamese students in particular about engaging in the classroom, about networking, about reaching out? Uh, what sort of advice would you give that student who's maybe a little afraid to do that? Mm. Actually, it was remind of me your first class when you say, like, don't ask me about syllabus. I have not. I just want you guys to do this and do that. And you just sit together, you know, into the networking game where in the first time I was supposed to ask some, like, you know, stranger in classroom, like, can you give me your socks? Yes, <laughs> I remember. Me. But then <laughs> it's, it's very unique approach that you, you, you see that now. It's like more than 10 years ago. And I still remember that. And I still, actually, I still apply some, you know, activities from the networking. And actually, I think, um, yeah, I apply a lot in my uh, event management and planning from your networking games at the beginning of the class. So in terms of, um, I wouldn't say comparison, but I think like in terms of um, considering the um, the difference from my approach to the other Vietnamese students who actually didn't put, I think I think I, I can have um, very two, uh, yeah, two examples, I'm sorry, two examples where, uh, which is very good to, to compare, that my friend Stephanie, she also studied master in Swimbun, but she didn't join your global leadership program. So we have very two different styles, you know, like the Aussie style and American one. So 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 I can see I can tell the difference very, very much. So when she come back to Vietnam and join, you know, the head hunting network, she straight away to start from, you know, the theory that she have learned from, you know, Swimburn, from the HR operation, how do they do? But then when it comes to leadership, you know, HR also, you know, is very important in terms of leadership. She was struggling. She said, like, we are, I don't know why, but from the HR, I just know, you know, they see the position, they see what people are expected to perform, but how to influence them, how to motivate them. And, um, yeah, that, that she doesn't know. Some people might be blue, some is red and some is green. That's what we discussed in our global leadership. I still remember and I shared with her and she said, oh, wow, I didn't know it from my HR, which I think that all the HR students and people would know and should know it to apply and to influence the whole workforce and to influence people. Influencing is about, you know, how to improve their performance as well. So uh, she didn't know about that. And she asked me more. She asked me if I have some material from your class, from the global leadership program that I can share. And I would say, Stephanie, actually, it's, it's just, you know, based on my experience, uh, I, I rather have any papers because my professor didn't pass me any paper. We didn't have any, you know, notes in terms of like, you know, very, very extreme um, the, uh, theoretic. So... She said, like, oh, it's fine. So please just share with me more. And I think it's this very different approach where she actually just learned about the paperwork and the structure, how it's ours. And I would put more input for her in terms of, you know, how to uh, evaluating and uh, uh, influencing people in terms of knowing their inner colors from your lesson. 
So, so I think very interesting. And um, in terms of networking, I also use that. I can read people now if they are red, a little bit uh, aggressive, or they are blue. They are more about balancing and more about caring of people. Or they are green. Uh, they always say yes, and they're afraid of saying no. So, so I know they're in the colors, and I can, uh, yeah, I have different approaches with them. Either if they're my, um, you know, like academic team from partner universities or they are students or parents, I still can tell they're in that color. So that's helped me a lot in terms of getting to know and influencing them. That's absolutely wonderful. Tell me about your journey along the way. Um, I mean, you, you seem like you're in a really good space right now. Um, you're enjoying success, you know, was it, was it easy along the way or did you kind of struggle from time to time? Actually, yeah, yeah, it's totally, it's not easy at all. And especially we've just overcome the um, COVID pandemic. So during two-year COVID pandemic, my ProPath, I think we, we didn't, we, we didn't met any, any program or, you know, any successful work um, offer for our teachers in terms of sending them to the U.S. Because you know that all of the U.S. school, they, at that time, they're actually doing online classes. And they said, like, look, we, we really want to welcome, uh, you know, teachers from overseas, but um if they can, uh, you know, teach online, if they can actually know all of about our dashboard and now about teaching techniques, we doubt. Because I, I don't think that, you know, they can learn it from distance. And uh, our students now is from distance too. So we have to make sure that their quality of learning just, you know, to be maintained. So that's why we have to postpone the program for two years. So during that two years, it's like I and my co-founder, we keep trying, you know, different ways to keep our teachers, like maybe they can attend some, you know, just online seminars. They Maybe they can just online some warfare, but it's from also virtual events. Uh, we Then we realize that our Vietnamese teachers, they are, they are not skillful enough and um, um, the adaptability, it's kind of, you know, it's not as good as the um, overseas uh, teachers. So then we train them. And at that time, I choose to be very, very honest. And I would say, look, in the next few years, I'm not sure if actually there will be any, you know, job offer in the U.S. or even in any other country. So if you would like to withdraw, ProPath will just return 100%. It will be, you know, very special different policy. We wouldn't charge any, you know, admin fees. Um, but if you would like to stay with us, then let's learn together. Let's, you know, improve the skills together. Let's show the U.S. for seeing that you are skillful enough to even teach in distance, to have, you know, uh, online interviews, to run an online course and online classes in your confidence and uh, yeah, as good as their U.S. teachers. So I think it's a good decision until now that I decide to be honest that 100% of our teachers just stay with us. They stay with us no matter what. They say, like, I don't know when I can go to the U.S., but I just want to stay with you. Yeah, we go through this together. So uh, after two years now, we, we're all back to normal, and, uh, yeah, I very appreciate their trust. You know, I think I think that's fantastic that you had placed the importance on one. I heard you say, you know, I was honest with them, and, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the things. You know, when we look in the COVID pandemic, so much emphasis was placed on empathy, and and really another area that needed to be discussed is this notion of honesty. None of us really knew what was going to happen, 
and and then fairness, right? Fun, fundamental fairness. So those are the qualities that I see that came out of you and, and came out of that experience. One of the things that we like to do on this show is ask you the question, you know, what would you tell that seven or eight-year-old girl from Vietnam who is starting to think about what life is going to be like? Hmm, interesting question. Just seven or eight-year-old Vietnamese girl? I Yeah, now I'm thinking about my niece. So, yeah, she, she is at least she's, she eight years old now. And um, her first overseas trip was the Singapore trip with me, I think before, just before the COVID. So we decided to go and, uh, yeah, I took her with me. Uh, her first overseas trip was in Singapore and she asked me, like, wow, it's just two-hour flight from the Ho Chi Minh City but they already have the MRT, the train uh, system, and we have none. Do you know why? And I just said, like, well, actually, we we are trying there because we actually, at, at that time, at Ho Chi Minh City, I don't know if, if you already saw that, just right in the uh, city center, they, they, they keep, you know, there's, there's constructions to do the metro, the metro line. I'm not sure if it's finished now, but um, at that time, I said, like, well, we, we're trying. And, and she said, like, what makes it so long? You know, we, we're just two hours apart and uh, they already have the whole system and, and we're still there and we, we don't have it. I still have to take bus. Uh, my mom just uh, take me to school by uh, motorbike. I would like to go MRT. And um, how can I do that? I, I imagine when I, in the next 10 years, would I have that in my CD? And I would say like, yeah, we would. It's, it's up to yourself. It's up to, you know, the way you learn. And I think like if, all people, even your teachers, and even our generation, we, we keep learning. Then maybe in the future, maybe not 10 years, maybe just five years, we, we, we would have the MRT, the modern one as Singapore. So as your question, I think to answer that, actually, I, I, I'd rather think any question that I would ask her, but I would just ask her, like, I want to use your question that you asked me in your classroom, what moves you? What actually makes you excited? What actually makes you feel happy? And um, I think that's very important for her, my my niece, and yeah, even for my baby. Now I'm a baby girl now. I, I will find out what makes her happy, and what moves her. Like what's the core values of you know each person. So based on that, they they actually would they just know what to do and um, they would know their direction. I, I, I wouldn't advise any. I just want to yeah. I say what's your advice? That just find your own core values and uh, answer the question. What moves you? Until now, I I still keep asking myself. I think every six months, I just keep asking myself like, am I on the right track or is there anything changes in my core values and uh, what moves me? So so, so that's. This question is very often popped up in my mind. You know, and some sometimes it's it's the simplest of questions that we often overlook. And so I think I think that is a, a very inspirational question. I think certainly one of the key parts of leadership is taking those reflective moments. It's great that you do it every six months. I think people should do it as often as possible so that mm-hmm. it's it's meaningful to them. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us today on The Leader Brew. You were an inspiration then. You're an inspiration now. I think your work is going to continue, and I wish you absolutely all the best. 
Sure, thank you very much. And thank you very much for bringing up all of the memories in the classroom. It's just, I just realized it's 10 years. Can you believe that? It's already 10 years since our classrooms. And um, yeah, I still remember, yeah. And we're all looking great and youthful and energized. And let's go out there and tackle some of the biggest problems ever. So, V, thank you once again for being on the show today. And that's been another episode of the Leader Brew podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Leader Brew podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe and share us with others. If you would like to be a guest or a co-host, please reach out to us at www.theleaderbrew.com or on our social media platforms. Be sure to check out our leadership courses at www.weleapforward.org. A special thanks to audio engineer Jared Zimirowski for making us sound great and to Northeastern University and Swinburne University. From the classroom to the real world, we hope that today's Leader Brew podcast ignited the extraordinary leader within.